Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. Joining me, as always, is Derek Brissett, and I am Stu Hardy. We've got a lot to talk about, Derek. We've uh, got this new competition starting up in BC. We've had the second round of the 2021 Sevens. A big announcement by Premier Rugby Sevens, as well as a big match coming up this weekend. But first of all, how are you? Oh, man, not too bad. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of rugby, you know, go ton of rugby that happened over the weekend and you know it's kind of it's kind of fun like we're kind of coming out of covid i guess and now it just feels like you know kind of an overwhelming amount of rugby you don't necessarily have enough time to watch it all whereas you know this time last year we were like starving for it so it's (laughs) and you know it is kind of nice to see rugby sort of in full flight great to see rugby kind of back in full flight like in this country too we got all the you know a lot of the provincial club competitions are back up university rugby's back up collegiate rugby's back up two awesome sevens tournaments over the past weekend as you alluded to the coastal cup starting up big big test match this weekend it feels like rugby is kind of back in full swing in canada um although beyond that though i'm just in general doing good went to a vintage film festival over the weekend so checked out some silent films with a dude playing a piano at the front and uh you know Ooh. something i've never done before but it's uh that was a lot of fun it was a cool experience to kind of see oh, not, i was part of a virtual murder mystery quiz so found out who a serial killer was in uh, toronto so sure virtual uh, so virtual yeah so I, toronto I, I, yeah i know you're some welcome of, yeah i know some of stew's friends virtual is yeah. That's a legal disclaimer, so he doesn't get in trouble for anything he did this weekend on the podcast. Absolutely. Everything's above board with me. Yeah, exactly. Look at that. Look at that innocent face. Yes. Yes, podcast listeners. Look at this innocent face. I'm totally innocent. Yeah. Okay, let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this. We're going to start off with the new kids on the block, so to speak, out on the Pacific Coast with the Coastal Cup. We've had the first round, uh, three games all played. Um, so it was Crimson Tide 26, UVic 22, UBC got 34, um, while Trinity Western had 13, and Pacific Pride with the comeback victory 36 to 24 against Van East. And all the while this was going on, the Vancouver Wave were training with Canada. So, you know, they weren't just resting on their laurels. They were making sure they were getting uh, time in as well. Um, Derek, like, as, uh, as I mentioned, the Pacific Pride were a bit behind at halftime when it came up against Van East and then produced a spectacular comeback. Um, were there any other high, uh, first impressions and highlights that you want to point out? Yeah, like I thought, I thought for the fir- the first week was really good. Um, obviously, only the UBC Trinity Western match was actually, I guess, available to be watched li- um, live. They put they put the stream up on YouTube, which uh, which was awesome. It was great to kind of see the the level of competition. Um, first game back, I believe, for a lot of a lot of these teams, a lot of these players playing in the competition. You know, I thought I thought the first week went really well. I liked the um, you know as kind of the build up came out. Um, you got to see a little bit more of like, I guess, like the league branding, um, that like coastal cup logo, the multicolor kind of almost looks like, like a sunrise sort of, um, mm-hmm. thing. I'm not sure if that's exactly what they're going for, but that's how, but you know, artistic interpretation is open and I kind of viewed it as like a sunrise looking thing. Um, well, if you've uh, seen the flag of British Columbia that, you know, that, that part of it is a, is a sunrise yeah. sun. Emer- yeah. yeah. So I, I get where the, uh, 
artistic license was being inspired <laughs> from. Yeah, so it's like uh, they got the website set up. It's good. I saw the um, they got some basic stats from the weekend up already. Most of that is you know just linked to like who scored the points um, mm-hmm. for all the teams. Um, so I, I, like yeah, I thought I thought it it was a great little opening weekend. It makes me kind of excited for the. Um, like the rest of the competition doesn't hurt that there was a uh, you know some pretty exciting games being played. Um, obviously, you you mentioned that you know the Pacific Pride had a massive comeback over uh, Van East, and you know so that that's a probably a really good sign for uh, the Pacific Pride program. A couple MLR players bolstered the uh, the second half lineup. Uh, guys like uh, Nick Hildenbrand, Liam Murray, um, able to come in in the second half. Crimson Tide over UVic. That was a tight game, too. Ended up with a, uh, you know, Crimson Tide winning the game on a try on the final play. Um, so it's kind of funny because, you know, I watched the uh, UBC Trinity Western game, and that was a great game, but it sounds like, you know, the the two most exciting games of the weekend might have been the ones that weren't on YouTube, which... You know, take it with what you can't you can't exactly uh, predict what's going to happen in the games. Absolutely but not. Um, I really did enjoy the uh, the UBC Trinity Western game. I thought it was interesting kind of seeing a guy uh, from the Trinity Western point of view. Um, very interesting seeing a guy like Giuseppe the on, um, you know, playing in the centers because uh, he's, you know, obviously he he's going to Trinity Western doing like a master's degree. So he's able to play there. Um, and it's like he's just clearly the best guy on that team. Um, which, which I mean, you would come to expect because he's a full, yeah, of course, he's a full fledged MLR player. He had a couple tries, a couple brilliant carries. Um, you know, obviously too, like the guys on UBC looked like um, you know, like I said, he had a couple tries, um, and uh, a few great carries, great tackles with ball in hand. Couple of the the guys on uh, UBC looked like they were having a bit of a bit of a problem defending him, which you'd probably expect given that he's captained an MLR team. So yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. So it's a little bit of a good good start for uh, G. Unfortunately, though, despite his efforts, um, his squad did not come away with the win. Um, UBC, I thought was excellent over the, the course of the game. Um, a couple guys I thought stood really stood out, one of which being like Isaac Kelly, um, their lock. I thought he had a brilliant game all over the pitch. Um, you know, excellent work rate. They also kind of uh had him positioned out on the wing on a number of occasions, too, able to kind of use uh, he's got some great speed, some good ball carrying ability that um, you know, helped also helped lead to tries. There was um, you know, a great play in the uh you know, the, the UBC try to open the second half was was excellent. They had, um, you know, the Toronto Arrows draft pick. Bryce Warden had a nice carry. And uh, Isaac Kelly just kind of waited off the side of him, and Warden gave him a really nice offload that Kelly was able to use to, uh, you know, open up a massive hole in uh, the Trinity Western defense. And, you know, they were able to capitalize, capitalize on that really quickly. I thought both teams did well, kind of – it was – it's nice because it was both teams looked like they were very interested in, you know, holding on to the ball and playing with the ball in hand, yeah. um, which is always always makes for fun, enjoyable viewing. Um, I thought, you know, I thought UBC over the course of the game kind of controlled. They were the better team um, for sure. But I thought, you know, Trinity Western got a couple shots. And obviously I mentioned uh, Detroit had some success. They had a winger. Um, 
Hemelor Wanusi. I hope I pronounced that right. I apologize if I did not. Um, he's actually from Dublin, but uh, he was wearing the number 11 jersey out on the wing, and it felt like every single time he touched the ball, something positive happened for the Spartans. And uh, they were really – every time the ball went wide, he was doing some damage to the UBC defense. So um, that was – you know, he he looks like to be an exciting player to watch. I That's the first time I've actually watched him play, but – um, you know, he he did make a pretty big impact in the game, I thought. And, uh, you know, I have no idea. Like I like I said, my quick research kind of revealed that he's uh, he's from Dublin. Um, so I'm not sure if that if he is Canadian qualified at all or I'm not even sure, like how long he's been in Canada for if he's not um, to see if like, you know, if there's a residency thing that could possibly happen. But, you know, good first impression anyways in the first Coastal Cup game. Um, UBC obviously too had a couple guys stand out. I thought Bryce Warden, uh, UBC scrum in the first half. Dude, Bryce Bryce Warden's great. Um, I thought he had some he had some really big moments of the the set piece there. Um, you know anybody with the last name Carson, we already know good is a is a good player, and uh, you know they all all of them showed up in this game for UBC too. So I thought I thought it was a ton of fun. It's also great to see that the wave we're training with the Canadian national team, right? Cause it's like, you know, I mean, if obviously the, you know, Canada's out in Langford right now, they're preparing for a match against Chile, absolutely massive match, which we'll talk about later. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see that they all, they got to hit out with them, you know, gets, gets Canada in a couple game situations, gets the wave guys prepared for a couple game situations and stuff too. I think it's just, you know, an excellent way to kind of grow and develop the rugby community out in BC. And, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And as long as I, I hope they keep putting games on YouTube, even if it, even if it is just like one a week or whatever their capabilities allow them to do at this point in time, as you know, the competition gets off and running, but you know, as long as, as long as they're putting games on YouTube, man, I guarantee you I'll be watching them. Like, like I said, I think that's going to be the one great thing too, like the MLR draft coming up um you know at being one of you know something that the mlr is definitely looking forward to doing and they you know had included canadian players in it this year and you know obviously seeing guys like bryce warden who got drafted out of ubc and you can see like the rest of the ubc squad the rest of the trinity western squad there's definitely guys that look like they're going to be capable of playing in major league rugby soon right so you know it, it it does add that little extra element to kind of keep you know, keep fans interested and stuff. You want to see that you want to see kind of the next wave of guys coming up. It's like the coastal cut might be the, uh, the place that you have to go watch them. And same, same with any of the guys too, like on the, again, um, the games weren't broadcast, but it's like, same with the guys on the crimson tide or van Easter, you Vic and you know, the pride, right. It's like, those guys could all be like future MLR players mm-hmm. or future, uh, yeah. or some future MLR players, Curse current MLR players on those teams too, by the way. And, um, but you know, it's it's exciting to kind of watch, and uh, um, I, th- I think it'll be fun. You uh, do you got any uh, any thoughts on the uh, the opening weekend of the Coastal Cup? Well, I think it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Deceptatoire because I think uh, a lot of people will say that oh, who's your star player on your team? And people can imme- will in that uh, for Trinity Western will immediately say like oh, um, it's the Arrows captain. Yeah, but it's also the understanding of rugby that one player doesn't make no. a winning team it's because that's the thing it's like i would i would if i had to pick a player i would pick deceptitoire over any of the um thunderbirds players but the thunderbirds were a better team oh so, yeah they, they, so 
the Thunderbirds, I mean, the, that program that Curry Hitchborn's created, man, they've probably been one of the best, the best amateur sides in the country for the past. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. five, 10 years or however long um, he's been there for. Right. So, you know, as long as I've been following like university level rugby in Canada, like the Thunderbirds have been, you know, the team to beat regardless yeah. of whether or not they win every single year. But it's just always kind of they kind of have that aura of they're like they're the best team. Right. And I think that's. Yeah. I think that kind of carried over into the um, the first weekend here of the uh, of the Coastal Cup, right? They had the most, I'd say, like the most thorough. You know, I saw Curry Hitchborn kind of tweet tweeting that uh, you know there was definitely some things that UBC has to work on, um, and that's certainly true. But you know, it's like I thought they had like the most like comprehensive victory of all the teams, as you kind of said. Like Crimson Tide needed the the try in the last minute of the game, and Pacific Pride. Um, you know, obviously had a huge comeback again, hadn't seen, I haven't seen those games because they weren't um, available, but so it's tough to actually comment on the content of those games, but um, it seems like, you know, the UBC kind of went out and they were wire to wire winners, which doesn't seem like is what happened in the other two games. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, it's, I think ultimately too, like, I think it's just, to me, I think it's just great to see that, you know, we're back to having um, rugby kind of, at all levels people getting back to playing competitively again i think you know well you know just because i mean i think we're kind of linking in like you vic ubc and stuff in this so bring it back a little closer to where we physically are here um mm-hmm. oua obviously you know they they kicked off their season um this week as well right so uh you had mcmaster beat trent 29 7 uh Brock, who is coached by um, Toronto Arrows, Sean Windsor. Um, they beat Western 13-12. Guelph, Corey Hector's squad, they beat Waterloo 74-7. to And then Queens, which is the school that apparently you do have to go to if you want a captain. You have your choice. You either have to go to Queens or Trinity Western University, apparently, um, <laughs> if you want to captain the Toronto Arrows in the future. They beat Toronto uh, 74 to nothing. Um, so that was uh, kind of the first week of uh, OUA action kind of wrapped up. And I mean, like I said, I think um, I think the MLR draft being a thing has me way, way more interested in like OUA rugby, U sports rugby in yeah. general, and certainly has me very interested in the Coastal Cup as well. And just knowing the fact that, hey, like, you know, you don't have to get drafted too. you can just sign guys out of these competitions and stuff and for the Coastal Cup especially, man, it looked like a really high quality, good level of play to uh, start off their their first weekend. So um, best of luck to everybody involved with the Coastal Cup, and I'm, I'm excited to follow the season through, uh, through the rest of the fall here. Well, the next round of the Coastal Cup will begin this Friday when uh, Trinity Western hosts uh, Van East on October 1st. Uh, then we have the Pacific Pride um, hosting UVic and UBC hosting Vancouver Wave. Unfortunately, they on the um, on their fixtures and results page, they just have Vancouver, and I'm like, may have to narrow it down, guys. Um, but anyway, that is for stuff that is yet to come. Let us focus back also on September 25th and 26th, where we have the second round of the Canada Sevens and the uh, 2021 World Sevens came to a close in Edmonton at the Commonwealth Stadium, the home of the Edmonton Elks. Um, 
and you know it seems uh pretty uh the more things and the more things change the more they say the same uh south africa the blitz block the blitz box blitz through this competition you know they all they have won every single game that they played they didn't concede a single try in their pool stage and it was only in the finals in which they did they didn't concede any against Hong Kong. They conceded one try against Kenya in the semifinals and two against Great Britain in the final. So speaking with, that was South Africa, um, therefore became the 2021 uh, World Sevens champions. It was Great Britain who finished second in uh, Edmonton and Kenya third, with Canada finishing fourth. And by that, they finished fifth in the 2021 World Rankings. Where do you um, think at, South Africa winning the 2021 World Series World Seven Series ranks in the uh, great um, pantheon of South African rugby victories? Oh, it's definitely up there with you know <laughs> 2019 World Cup final, yeah, right. the 2021 Lions Tour, the t- 2009 Lions Tour as well. Yeah um the 2007 you know it's it's on the same level if not higher yeah but, exactly you know, but, like, you know it's all subjective 90 95 um, world cup and then edmonton sevens tour stop i think yeah. is the uh, yeah yeah and in all honesty though it's like i think i mean it, it's kind of funny that they're calling them like the champions and stuff um just off of two two events yeah. and half the best teams in the world aren't there but that is true we did I'm, talk about this yeah. last week yeah. but we are we did say you can only play the opposition that's very that true. Is in that's front very of true. you um so it's still it's just okay. kind of funny it's just the to see all the uh, south africa champions stuff on social media stuff i just think it's kind of funny um a little bit of a, an asterisk slash watered down championship this year um if anything but well obviously um we have to acknowledge that COVID nineteen is still a global mm. pandemic, and so oh, for sure. we are in the situation. I understand the, the reasoning for it. I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know what? Thing, I think the uh, probably like what the the best moments of of this tournament though, like uh, Germany took yeah. down Great Britain and the United mm-hmm. States, and we talked about that last week too, where it was like you know, like I what we just mentioned, right? It's like there is obviously a handful of the best teams in the world that aren't competing at this, but it opened the door for, you know, teams like Germany, Jamaica, Mexico, um, Hong Kong to make appearances. And Germany kind of showed why, Hey, maybe we should need to be doing this a little bit more often. Cause you know, the whole, uh, you know, to quote Al Pacino, right. The whole, any given Sunday, right. Like mm-hmm. you can like these, these teams that maybe don't get a chance to regular play on the sevens tour. It's like, you know, if you put the uh, the right squad together on the right day, the right opponent, and you know you can get some uh, some magical moments like we saw with uh, Germany um, on the weekend, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely, and you know we got to um, give credit to like the let's say the lower ranked teams because you know Jamaica, Mexico, Chile, and you know these these are teams you're not expecting to see in every stage of like the world sevens you know they'll sometimes be a invitational team at a certain location uh, i mean i think this was jamaica's first foray into world sevens competition yeah it was um, like the, yeah it was their the first one yeah jamaica and last Mexi- week at- last week in vancouver was their first ever like official tour stop 
Yeah, and Mexico as well, um, both the men and women's team coming in last minute to um, fill in for France, who pulled out. Um, speaking of like the uh, women's team, the Fast Four uh, finished in the exact same fashion. Uh, GB um, getting the victory over the United States and uh, Canada getting the victory over Mexico in the uh, final. So, you know, finishing third in the world for the women's team, not bad. We'll brush over the fact it was out of four teams, but, you know, it is what it is. Hmm. I think we can call him King Josiah Mora because especially of his uh, performance winning the UL mark of excellence for the weekend as well, especially his uh, try against uh, Ireland in the quarterfinal was phenomenal to see. Yeah, no, um, he had, yeah, his try or whatever, he had that unreal stiff arm to kind of fend off the two Irish defenders. Um, that was amazing. I loved I loved his little his shout out to turf um, during his interview, accepting that award, too, because um, mm-hmm. that's that's a great program. And, you know, they're doing a lot of great work down there. So that was an exciting moment. I mean, a couple <laughs> other ones that kind of stuck out. Thomas Isherwood, um, he had a hat trick against Mexico. So that was super cool. Um, we'll be talking a little bit, I guess, about him in a couple moments, too, with this. Or maybe we—I don't know. Well, I guess it depends where our Premier Sevens conversation actually goes. If we bring up Mister Isherwood, but he's going to be yeah. on the team, which is still the greatest name in the history of pro sports. Well, um, we're not going to go fully on to. Um, we're going to stick with sevens in one way or another. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Right. Um, I just want to mention the fact that um, uh, Jake Thiel uh, put on his Twitter. He said fourth place is pretty awesome, but this group is building for more. Can't wait to see what we accomplish over the next three years, building towards Paris 2024. Nothing like playing at home. Thank you, Edmonton. Um, it, it is now, um, yeah, fewer than three years until the next Olympics. So yeah, which is which is wild. And if memory, yeah, it's so, serves- it's, I'm so thrown off by the calendar. So there's like a rugby. Yeah. Is there a there's a rugby sevens like World Cup mixed in there too? Like yes, that that's too, right? supposed to be in South Africa next year, I believe. Yeah. No, well, there's definitely the Commonwealth but Games think, which are coming up next year. I mean, um, can't remember when the World Cup. Is. I I think that was the one great thing about these two tour stops, though. Um, we saw basically everybody on the men's sevens team retire after <laughs> the Olympics. And, you know, watching guys like like Isherwood and, you know, Isherwood, Thiel, Berna, um, Mora, as you mentioned, with the, um, you know, Mark of Excellence Award, right? It's like watching these guys come in and, like, you know, tear it up against a lot of teams, um, right? Like, basically, everybody scored against, against Mexico. Um, you know, Hong Kong was a good match um, with, you know, the Hong Kong played a good, it was a good match as well, but it was like, see some of these guys like, you know, playing well um, in the sevens. It's like, it does get you excited for like the future of the sevens team. Cause there's a lot of really mm-hmm. talented players there, despite the fact that we know, like, you know, legends like Nathan Hiriyama may have retired, but it's like, there is a little bit of uh, like the next wave of players looks to be incredibly talented and incredibly exciting. And, you know, I can't wait to uh, can't wait to see some uh, some more of what they all uh, bring to the table as uh, they keep on developing. Yeah. So I've just checked. It is supposed to be next year. Not only is it the Commonwealth uh, Sevens, but the yeah. 
uh, World Cup sevens are due to take place in South Africa between the 9th and 11th of September. Um, and from what I gather, it's similar to uh, the 15s World Cup in that teams have automatically been allocated um, positions based on where they finished in the previous World Cup. However, the, for the men's and for the men's, it's 16. For the women's, it's 11 teams um, will only be be decided by continental championships and qualification places that will no longer be allocated from the World Rugby Seven Series, which is interesting to say the least. Um, that said, well, I believe that is also the format for the um, Parisian Olympics in 2024 as well. It'll just be through regional competitions and not the World Sevens. Um, and that's the thing, you, you know me, I hearken on every single time of like, oh, you got to get um, young boys playing, you got to get like fresh blood into the side. This is now the time to do it. And, you know, if we can see uh, incredible achievements like Josiah Moore and Jake Thiel over the weekend, then we definitely have uh, something positive to look forward to. But one sevens competition that we don't have to wait for till next year is the Premier Rugby Sevens, which is going to have its inaugural event on October 9th. And, you know, as we mentioned, uh, the team is the greatest team name ever, but that's not the only team. There are also the experts, the headliners, the loggerheads, the locals, and for our Canadian listeners, uh, the loonies as well, which I think is the greatest team name of all time. And they have a, but, they have a Mighty Ducks reference as their Twitter bio. So, I mean, I know. So, you said on your Twitter, yeah, uh, I'm all aboard the loonies. I'm, yeah. And, that's all you have to do to win my heart. You just, you know, just make a Mighty Ducks reference, and I, I like you. That's all. It's just that simple. Yeah. Um, but one of the big news, uh, especially for Canadians coming out from uh, Premier Rugby Sevens, is that they will have a deal with TSN for their inaugural competition. So how this works out is that the competition is scheduled to be between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Uh, so from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time, the action will be on tsn.ca or the TSN app, and then 4 to 6 p.m., so basically all of the uh, championship deciding games as well as the uh, presentation ceremonies yeah, will it's be on the, TSN 4. Yeah, it's going to be... So the, broad, the broadcast on TSN 4 will start at 4 and based on the schedule that the Premier Sevens has on their website, that's going to be 10 minutes of what I'm assuming is going to be like intro and recap of, mm -hmm. of the event up until that point. The women's consolation final, so the bronze medal game, but they're calling it a consolation final. And then the men's consolation final, followed by the women's final and the men's final would be the four games that you're going to see over that two-hour window. And the thing, being like Arrows fans, we've known the... Um... You know, TSN can be a bit uh, tricky. It's uh, it only gets announced, you know, just before that. Um, oh, this match will be on TSN too, but hey, this, this match is, will be on TSN. Two weeks it. though. This is two. Yeah, weeks I, I, I know. This is this is strange. I, I was expecting to get this thirty minutes before the competition started. What what's going on here, guys? <laughs> Come on. Um, hey, the uh, United Rugby Championship did that. Everybody, it was just kind of like, oh, hey, it's on Sportsnet. Uh, Canada. Anyway, um, but speaking of TSN, because it's also been announced that the Canadian 
uh, men's 15 team will continue their contract with um, Premier Sports and that the series against Chile will be on uh, the Premier Sports app or website. Again, it's 15 US dollars to get uh, the two games. So 18 in the money that we actually care about. Yeah. Um, 18 with um, the Queen's face on it. Um, So this is interesting. Um, So we have one competition, which is based in the United States, that will be on TSN. And we have one competition with the men's national team that will be on this separate um, entity altogether, this over-the-top provider, which is Premier Sports. Um, And some people have obviously found... uh, noticed this and have made comments on uh, social media and the way i see it is this is a pain i'm not going to deny that that it it is going to be much easier to have um everything on one channel however i feel that because it's a us-based competition they've already sorted out their main um tv money contract with Fox Sports 2. So for uh, Premier Rugby 7s, they can then have the flexibility, I say, to then put it onto a a broadcaster of the range of TSN without having to worry about uh, recouping losses because the money from Fox Sports will um, cover that for them. Um, For the men's national team, we've you know, we've had this conversation before when they were playing the USA and that was on Premier Sports of, is it justified in having this? Now, I still think that this could be like a long-term investment plan. It seems that uh, now that the United Rugby Championship isn't on the uh, zone anymore, the zone doesn't really have any rugby content besides what I believe is going to be uh, the Six Nations and even that and kind of dubious about um but who knows, if it, who knows the uh, streaming landscape seems to be changing quite a bit up uh, in canada here ex- exactly and um premier sports does have a track record especially um outside of europe with hosting all the rugby competitions as well so it may be a case that if um entities are willing to um host these they just need to find the uh, confidence from the public to be able to pay for it. So would you be willing to pay $18 for two games? And if you are, would you therefore be willing to pay, I don't know, something about like $20 a month to get all of the rugby content from Europe, the rugby championship, maybe super rugby as well. It's hard to tell. I, I can understand how this can be frustrating to a lot of rugby fans to not have it on TSN or Sportsnet or an established You're talking broadcaster. about the, the test match, right? Yeah, the Make test sure match. Make sure I'm following your train of thought here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I can understand how, I mean, cause, and because the argument as well is like, oh, we have the arrows on TSN. Why can't we have the national team on TSN as well? But at the same time is that if this is a long-term plan and it can be a case of that we have all international rugby or non-north american rugby on one channel or one provider then it'll be worth it in the long run but like i mean okay i have some thoughts on this but so you kind of started your point with being like 
it can be a pain in the ass is what you kind of yeah. said to start. What what exactly are like do you think is a pain in the ass about just is it just like the rugby's all spread out through everything? I'm just like what, what do you yeah, mean by you think it's a pain in pain in the ass so basically. If you if you compare it to like say in the UK now, if you wanted to watch like the Premiership and the URC, you would need to get Premier Sports for the URC and you would then also need to get BT Sports for the Premiership as well. So you're already paying for two providers just to get rugby content. Um, I believe um, European Champion uh, Champions Cup is also on uh, BT Sports. So that's covered. But if you're now in Canada, you're now paying for TSN to get rugby. You're mm-hmm. Now, if you want to get URC, you now have to get Sportsnet as well. And on top of that, if you want to see your national team play, you have to play for another over-the-top mm-hmm. uh, video-on-demand provider. And that's why I mean, like, that's the pain in the ass is, like, why do I have to pay for three different entities? Why can't you just make this decision and have it on one channel? Okay. I'm going to counter-argue, or I'm going to counterpoint this or argue with this. I was kind of thinking about this today because, obviously, um, knowing that we're getting into this podcast, doing a little bit of prep and trying to think about my thoughts on some of the topics that we wanted to bring up. And obviously we were going to talk about, you know, premier rugby sevens being, you know, announced to being part of TSN. And it kind of got me thinking that, and with the reaction last month to everybody kind of hating the fact that the test matches were going to be on premier sports. And as you said, you have to pay an extra, you know, fee for it is almost 20 bucks to watch two games. Right. And everybody was like super upset about it and stuff. And I was just kind of like, like thinking and looking. And it's like, I remember a time where it was like, I would make sure I watched every single rugby game that was on TV because it was such a rare thing to actually have happen. Like it used to be that, you know, TSN might have a Canada game on if it was like a world cup or something. You can maybe you could watch the world cup. There might be a Canada test match mixed in right um, for the rest of the year. But it was like, I'm looking, but that was it. You got to see like the Canadian test matches were maybe on TV. The world cup would be on TV. Right. But it's like, you kind of look at everything that's available and I'm available now. And I'm like the, I guess there's, there is the argument, your p- point to be made is financial, right? Not everybody yeah. can afford this. So I, I completely agree with that, right? But like, if you're a Canadian rugby fan, like look at what is coming up, right? Or look at the past four weeks. Let's say the past two weeks and then the next two weeks. We'll go into like yeah. the end of the test series, right? You, like we could watch, um, you know, if you're looking at TSN, TSN now has the Arrows, Premier Sevens, the Rugby Championship, Right, I mean the arrows. You could was the only team you couldn't watch in this time frame. Then this four week time frame that I'm going with here, right? Because obviously their season's not happening, right? Yeah. But I mean, who knows that they announced that they haven't announced any broadcasting for the rugby rally yet, or did I just miss? Did I miss that, or have they not? Uh, I don't. They haven't announced anything. All right. Well, well yeah. So you could watch the rugby championship premier sevens. They also have the rights to the arrows. Sportsnet has the United Rugby Championship. Um, the premiership, which I think combined for like 14 games this weekend that are all available on Sportsnet, right? The only other times, like, you know, some 
I, I just kind of counted. I think it was around 14 total. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. Plus, if you want, plus, if you want to, too, there's the Super League and the NRL on there. If league is your jam, like also TSN also has the AFL, right? The uh, shout out to Melbourne for ending that crazy drought. I hope the uh, the Leafs can follow suit with you guys soon. Um, but then you have, you know, a Canada test coming up on Premier Sports. You had the World, the Sevens World Series on CBC. You had the Coastal Cup games on YouTube, right? You can, if you so choose, can go back and watch every single MLR game that happened this year on the Rugby Network, right? Like yeah. the amount of actual rugby content that is available to Canadians right now is actually kind of mind blowing compared yeah. to any other point in history, right? Now, it does come to the question of, you know, do you want to pay for that? And obviously, you know, right, like I just said, right, I just named one, two, three, I just named five different places to watch rugby. Obviously, YouTube's free, the rugby network's free, CBC is also free, but you do have to pay for Premier Sports, Sportsnet, TSN. Um, if you throw in the zone, if they keep going with the Six Nations, I don't really know what the zone's doing. You maybe got no, no one. No one knows what the zones. Yeah, doing. but it's like the point I'm trying again, to make. Again, again, we'll get an announcement twenty yeah, minutes before exactly. kickoff. Twenty minutes before game. kickoff. But like the point I'm trying to make is like if you're a Canadian rugby fan, this is kind of like the golden age for you to consume yeah. rugby content. Like there's more rugby content available to you in a legal fashion um, than there ever has been before. I mean, obviously, you know, there's other ways to watch rugby games if you so mm -hmm. choose, I guess. Um, but there's there's never been a time where there's been more rugby content available to Canadians than right now, right? And, you know, to your point, though, Stu, like you were saying, like, you know, it'd be nice if all the rugby was on, like, one network, right? Yeah. Like, you would have, you know, if you could get, like, you didn't have to, you know what, like, because, right, maybe it is a financial decision, right? Maybe there's people out there that are like, oh, I can afford to pay for either TSN or Sportsnet. So do I want to watch Premier Sevens and the Arrows or do I want to watch the Premiership, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like maybe you're watching, making that decision and maybe that's informed. Because right, realistically, I don't watch Top 14 um, in France because it's not available to me. So I just I don't really watch yeah. it, right? There's so much other rugby content. Like I just mentioned, all those games, like you could literally this weekend, uh, you could have sat down, turned on your TV at 3 a.m., like with the uh, the first rugby championship match and not turned off your TV until like when did the uh, sevens end like 9 at night 10 at night or whatever yeah. like you could have just sat there for 18 hours and watched rugby this weekend right um so i think that's great but to your point though of like it would be awesome if it was all on one thing i i agree cuz i think that would be awesome if we had like some sort of like rugby netflix that just was like here's every rugby game in the world um but i think looking at like the way broadcast deals are done like in north america let's take the leafs for example if you want to watch all 82 games and the first round of the playoffs for the leafs which i don't know i had to make the joke i'm sorry <laughs> um but if you want to watch all 82 leaf games you need tsn you need Sportsnet and you need CBC again, CBC is free, but still included on that. Right. So you need two channels just to watch one team, right? If you want to watch the Raptors, it's the same thing. You need both TSN and Sportsnet. The Jays are pretty much all on Sportsnet, but if you want to watch other baseball, you're going to need TSN too. Right. If you, you know what I mean? Like 
it all kind of comes and pick any other sport, right? Like if you want to watch football, well, some football's on Sportsnet, some football's on TSN, right? If you want to watch the CFL, you got to have TSN. If you just want to watch the NFL, maybe you can get away with just skipping the game. It's going to be on TSN each week up to you. But, you know, every every sport, every competition, every league, right? At least in North America, there's a lot of like it's split between a lot of different places. If you are a hockey fan, right, you you do need and you want to watch the Leafs in Toronto. You do need Sportsnet. You do need TSN. If you want to watch all the other games, then you have to buy Game Center, right? So you got to buy. If you're a big hockey fan, you want you have to, that's three things that you have to buy, right? So it's I like I don't know. I just I guess I've just been kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, like I I know the price point sucked for the Premier Sports games, but I was like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a valid criticism of it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's never been easier to watch rugby in Canada. And, you know, paying for places to watch sports isn't, I don't really necessarily think is that far off from what other sports do, like depending on what you actually want to watch. Yeah. Well, it's all above our pay grade anyway, when it comes to uh, TV rights and stuff like that. But um, that is the case. If you want to watch the uh, inaugural round of the Premier Rugby Sevens, it will be on October the 9th on TSN. And on October the 9th as well will be the second round of the International um, America's qualification for the next World Cup. Um, because now, obviously, it's like round three is between two nobodies like the USA and Uruguay. Never heard of them. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't care about them. Um, but the real action will be, as we said, on uh, Premier Sports, where it will be Canada that take on Chile. Uh, as I said, October 9th will be the second fixture, which means that this Saturday, October 2nd, will be the inaugural fixture. So there's some things that need to be set. Like I said, two match series. The winner on aggregate will face the loser of USA versus Uruguay. Um, the loser, unfortunately, this is the end of their road for World Cup qualification. Um, now, we both watched Canada uh, against the United States, you know, that great victory in St. John's, and then uh, the reality of USA at, uh, in, at uh, Rugby Town, USA, um, in Glendale. And now they're up against Chile. And um, as part of their warm-up fixtures for this series, Chile uh, played the Argentina 15 and for the first time in their history got a victory over Argentina 15. Um, So the last time Canada and Chile faced was in the America's Rugby Championship in 2019, where... Uh, Let me get this score absolutely correct, if I can just make sure. Um, It was Canada 56, Chile nil. And unfortunately, I don't think that will be the same result this time round. For those of you that don't know, Chile have, um, you know, come on leaps and bounds since 2019. Uh, Paul Tate on Twitter even said that, uh, Chile are probably the most improved team of all the Americas since 2019. Um, you know, the introduction of the high performance uh, center in Santiago has definitely helped. The introduction of SLAR 
the Selknam team, of which the, major- the majority of the Chilean players that will play this weekend are with that club. Um, four other players are from clubs in Europe, including Spain and France. Uh, and MLR fans will recognize uh, the scrum half Marcelo Torrealba from the Austin Gilgronis. Um, so I have a feeling that we may see a repeat of what we've experienced in the first round of uh, uh, Canada's um, qualifying, which is I think Canada will probably take this win this weekend, but I think they will be pushed really hard next weekend. I think home advantage does play a huge factor in these kind of things. Um, but the question is, is like how big will the difference be in both those games that can justify Canada staying on to go up against either USA or Uruguay? Um, so I, so that's a, let me ask a question from a positive perspective. I was going to say, man, you sound, before you ask that question, man, you sound nervous. I'm not, ner- I'm not playing. I'm not nervous. Oh, um, man, but you sound nervous yeah. though. You sound a little, I, 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 you look, this I know is, you've so, been a, I know like you've been a big fan of Chile though. So like, or is it like, yeah, what, what about them gives you like concern? Like, is there something in their style of play or like, I know, think what have they done? Cause it's kind of blown my mind because of uh, how much everyone's saying that they've improved. And it's like, they've done all this like in a pandemic too. Yeah. Right? Like, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how much, how much better have they gotten? Obviously. I mean, they beat Argentina 15, which is a, you know, a strong feat from Canada and the United States even. So it's like, yeah. you know, so, you know, what, what's the, what's, what makes, what makes Chile scary that we didn't necessarily see two years ago when Kainoa Lloyd scored a hat trick and we kind of won 56, nothing. I think it is just a case of they've, whatever they've been doing, whether it's been training together, I think it's, they've finally taken the step of, if we put our minds to it and we put like the time in, we can definitely challenge because Chile, since um, the ARC has been around, have always been kind of like the whipping boys of the America's rugby championship. They've always been the team which you could say, okay, we may not win any of the games, but we can get a win against Chile. And they've now said, no, line in the sand. That's who we were. This is who we're going to be. They obviously also know is that any well, any team that qualifies knows that the funding from World Rugby will make a monumental difference um, by qualifying for the World Cup. And you know, it gets them on the international stage, um, gets them up against you know tier, tier one nations, other tier two nations as well. And you know, they're not going. They're won't be going to if they sorry let me rephrase if they end up going to a world cup it won't be oh we're going to win the entire thing it's we're going to play against the best in the world we're going to make a name for ourselves on this global stage and we are going to be remembered hopefully for the positives and not the negatives and i think there has been not just the physicality change obviously i mentioned like the high performance center it's like the mental aspect of it as Mm. well it obviously being like canada majority of the players are from the arrows and 
MLR teams, and it's that um, camaraderie. Like I said, um, 20 of their 26-player touring side come from the same club. So yeah, there is. is that understand. So it, it's kind of like um, the Seawolves in Japan. Is yeah, that if you they have all just play all together. The, yeah. yeah, if you play together long enough and you play in like the same formations, you're going to know who to rely on. You're not going to know who to trust. You're going to know who to um, who's going to be in the right position at the right time. Um, and yeah, it is a... I say it's a meteoric rise. Obviously, um, the South American Four Nations last year was all done under 15s, so like no caps awarded, so no rankings changed and stuff like that. But at the same time, they uh, pushed Uruguay. They beat Brazil. They pushed um, Argentina 15 then. They beat uh, Uruguay as well. And now they've um, beaten the team that they couldn't beat last year in Argentina 15. And they very nearly beat Uruguay. Um, so it could have very well been the USA versus Chile this weekend. So, you know, it's, that's why I mean. I'm not saying Canada are going to automatically lose. I'm saying that if you think this is the same Chile as 2019, then you're going to lose. You have to take Chile seriously. And... That's what I want Canada to do this weekend. Well, I'm certain that they are taking this seriously. I think the the one big thing with this, right, this is probably one of the biggest matches that Canada has played in the past four years-ish, right? I mean, barring like the repechage tournament, um, this is, you know, this home-and-home series, right? Like this is a do-or-die series, right? Like the, yeah. the winner of this series gets to move on to play the loser of uh, USA Uruguay, which basically by winning the series, you guarantee that you can at least get to the repechage tournament is yeah. essentially what you do. But if you lose, like you're done, right? So yeah. the, the journey ends on October 9th for one team. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, this is, so this, this is massive and you know, it's that, yeah, like it's like and I agree with you. I don't think Chile can be taken lightly. I don't think it's going to be fifty-six nothing. I'm still confident that Canada can pull this out. Um, the Kingsley Jones has named his squad for the match, so his thirty-man squad, and you know it's completely unchanged from the, you know the uh, the matches against the United States in the previous round. You know. Obviously, that means that, you know, there's still no Ardron, there's still no Olmstead, there's still none of the other big guns um, from Europe. None of the guys like Hassler that were hurt are coming back. Um, but, you know, in, in the press release, Kingsley Jones does mention the positives of, you know, continuity and having the same group, right? So it allows you to, you know, build off, build off of what you did against the United States, work together, you know, to be able to come out uh, better against Chile. Um, and as I said, as I said last time, you can't worry about the guys that aren't on the team, right? You got to find a way to win with the guys that you have, right? You have to, you know, make sure everybody that is there is on, you know, at their best and able to perform so that, you know, you can beat Chile. You have to game plan for the guys that you do have and game plan for the, uh, the players that Chile are going to put on the pitch against you. Um, I, I think though, like, you know, do you have any thoughts on uh, Kingsley Jones keeping the same the same squad here, Stu? Or like, do you is there anybody that you wish you 
maybe would have liked to see get that extra shot or you kind of so I, personally i feel like i'm fine with it like, yeah I'm, i was gonna say i'm fine with it as well i think this may be the opportunity to have different names in the squad like of uh the match day 23 like disagree. having quinn nawani as sure. um included yeah. as well um i'm not saying like wholesale changes i'm no. just meaning like yeah. the odd the odd player as well see. like oh if anyone is like still got like a niggle from something and you don't want to yeah. like risk it then absolutely see like i know when you said no i kind of jumped the gun on the disagree saying the disagree thing there oh uh, because yeah. then the next name because that that's the exception that proves yeah exactly say next. then then you said no wadi and i was like ooh, yeah okay maybe him um to me yeah i wouldn't like no wadi getting game but i'm like i've you know i've i've been on you know on our show a couple times here saying that like i think will kelly should start ahead of peter nelson mm -hmm. that hasn't happened and peter nelson has been the guy and you know i still really like will kelly but i think i think going into this game like i just said it's a do or die right and i feel like maybe you got to go with that more experienced guy in there to be honest so i like i think maybe maybe you got to give it to nelson and stuff i don't to be honest like um, maybe I get your thoughts on this too. I don't think knowing that they have Kingsley Jones hasn't changed the 30 man squad. I don't think the match day 23 is going to look much different than yeah. against the United States. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, to speak about uh, Will Kelly is that as if Peter Nelson is still like aiming, if he is, his, if his accuracy is still as good as it was against like the United States, then yeah keep him but it's also the fact of as we saw again in the um second uh round was having like cooper Coates hit that monster kick is that mm. if you have someone who can hit that range then maybe that is kind of the thing that's pushing like kelly out yeah. i mean we're, we're not uh with rugby Canada coaches we have no idea what's going on but <laughs> i think like having that option as well is definitely favoring having um both yeah. Coates and nelson something um, like I said, I think the squads will be pretty similar. I can still see um, Ross Brody starting. I can still see um, Lucas Rumble, uh, Ben Lesage, um, Matt Heaton, all them being in the starting fifteen. So what yeah, I, that's yeah, that's what I think. I, I think if it be the, it would be the case of this player is coming in for another one, or this person swapped with someone else on the bench. I don't see that. Like I said, no wholesale changes of, oh, we're going to just have a completely different no, front row yeah. than you're expecting. Yeah, I think, in all honesty, I think I think that's what it's going to be, though. I think it's just going to be like those little tweaks. Um, but I, I don't think the lineup's going to be much different, especially especially knowing that there was no changes between the two U.S. games. And I know that like between that game, it was like they're coming off like a massive win. So you probably don't change the lineup at all, you know, in mm -hmm. that situation. But like, you know, I, I feel like kind of going into this, it was like the only the only way I, I was really envisioning, you know, a different lineup would be, you know, if somebody else became available or someone yeah. came back from injury. Right. And that yeah. didn't happen. So we got so we got the same squad. Um, I think kind of going forward, though, like, you know, obviously it's a massive game. Like, what do you want to see out of Canada? Like, what do you think they got to do in order to beat Chile? on saturday i thought uh especially from the like second game against the us their defense was uh very lacking um 
and there didn't seem to be a alternative strategy it just seemed yeah. to be that even even if okay, everything sorry, was going an alternative to, strategy to the defense or in general uh, an, an alternative strategy to the box kicks yeah okay that's all right we're on we're on the same yeah, page yeah exactly as in it just felt that it's like no matter whether you're winning by 50 or losing by 50 just box kick it away and it's like if the other team knows that whatever you're going to do is going to be a box kick they're going to prepare for a box kick and if yeah yeah well, it, it doesn't matter how quick that box kick that's going to come hey that's how ruben ruben de haas scored a try block yeah exactly kick, so right? um i yeah i think see i think i said it last time we were talking about i guess at the probably would have been like the episode after um canada lost the united states but you know what i mean like i don't have an issue with the box kick as a tactic at all um i think it works i think it works i think it's shown to work south africa won a world cup using it um Mm -hmm. i saw i think rugby pass posted like a meme of like a playstation controller and it was like whoop, the square button was like all worn out and all the other and it was like a spring block logo on the controller and it was like you know pass you know go out wide yeah. or something yeah and like Ex- it, extra run triangle yeah, extra for, run and then like the square button tackle. was like completely worn out and it said box kick <laughs> yeah and i was like no, I, and i hey, saw that as well but uh yeah so i thought it was kind of funny but i'm like you know i mean i know they they uh they lost on the weekend but like you know, it works for South Africa, right? But they got South Africa, as you kind of said, they got the defense to do it. And they got a couple guys that are really good underneath the high ball, really good on kick chase. And I think, I think it's a viable way to win a rugby game. But I think the issue um, against the United States to me was that they, it was done, you know, far too often, um, as you kind of mentioned, predictably. Um, yeah. But also, I think your biggest thing was like, there, there didn't seem like there was a there was no plan B or it didn't look like yeah. there was a plan B. Right. And I think I, I do kind of think that that's gotta be something that is in place. It's like, I, I'm fine. Like if you come out the the gate at the start of the game and it's, it's box kick, kick chase, because it worked it, it did work in the game. The first game against the United States, it worked like pretty effectively um, at, at a lot of points in that game. Maybe the Newfoundland wind was kind of contributing to that, but it was working. And I think what I would want to see in this game against Chile is like, yeah, if they come out the gate and it's like, yep, box kick, box kick, box kick, awesome. If it's working, you can keep at it. But if it's not working, like you, you gotta, gotta change. Yeah, exactly. It's time to pull up the plan B thing, right? Um, and I, I think that is what I would like to see. I do think though, too, and in all honesty, like even watching, like, like I said, the UBC TWU game, right? It was like. I think in Canada, I think in general, like the centers, obviously Spencer Jones, Ben Lesage, um, some of the guys too up front, like Siaki Vikilani, right? Like, I think we got the guys on the team that can give you like the strong, powerful carries, those gain line breaking carries, right? Like the, Canada has the personnel that can do that, yeah. right? So it's like, I don't think it's, I don't want to necessarily see the box kick completely eliminated from the game, but it's like, I would like to see a little bit more of don't be afraid to play with the ball in your hands a little bit. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, cause I think you do have the personnel that can get through that, that line. Um, 
I think the other big thing too is this is like, yeah, like just, you know, obviously like kind of stay on your toes, be aware of what Chile can do. Um, Chile gets a little, uh, you know, from that, the hot, the game against the, uh, the Argentina 15 or whatever. It's like Chile kind of gets a little creative too. Like they, they're kind of, they're good at the phase play. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, but you know, if they had one moment in, uh, the game against Argentina 15, that kind of triggered, um, their big three try surge, um, to mount their comeback as they were losing at halftime in that game. Um, and it was literally just like, uh, they were awarded a penalty, um, they they lined up making it look like they were going to kick for the corner and then at the last minute they just kicked it to the opposite side of the field where there's just the chilean winger waiting for the ball right yeah. because completely undefended right so it's like they are you know they're they're a team that is capable of kind of thinking quickly right so like you gotta kind of stay on your toes but you know like i said it's like just make sure i think that's kind of my biggest thing thing right because it's like i think the set piece is going to be interesting. I want to see, like, obviously, you know, who can win that matchup. I think that's going to be a big point in this game, right? Um, the lineouts in the second game against the United States were horrendous. Oh, right. God. Don't remind me. Oh, I know. I know. I kind of wanted to block it out, too. And I was just like, there was something else. I was just kind of thinking, like, there was something else I wanted to mention in this. And then I was like, ah, right. That's the lineup thing. <laughs> right. You get into the set piece, though. So it's like, I think you want, you, so hopefully that gets all shored up. But yeah, I think my biggest thing though is just, you know, and I think, right, like I thought guys like Rumball, Heaton, oh my God, they're great at the breakdown. Um, Canada is actually, I think, very good at the breakdown, right? And I think they even had the edge on the United States too in that specific area of the game, um, despite, you know, ultimately losing that series. And it's like, I think if they can kind of assert the dominance there, if the set piece gets cleaned up, if they're prepared with a plan B for their attack, right, and are able to, you know, have the personnel that's on the pitch to be able to call that sort of switch, if they need to kind of change mindset, change attacking strategy, um, and I, man, I mean, I'm still, I'm still confident that Canada can pull this out, and you know, maybe we get a rematch with the United States, maybe we get a rematch with, maybe we get to play Uruguay. Who knows? But like, you know, I mean, I think like I, I know I know Chile's been coming on super strong. And you know, I'm I think this is gonna be a really good game. I certainly don't think it's gonna be 56 nothing again. I think it's actually no. gonna be a, uh, an excellent game of rugby, and I'm looking forward to watching it on uh Premier Sports this weekend. All right. As we said, the uh, first round of the fixtures will be this Saturday, October 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time with the second fixture being in Chile on October 9th. Now, uh, we're going to finish the pod tonight with some news that came out um, just a few hours ago today. And it's um, BC Rugby have appointed John Tate as their technical director. And the press release reads, uh, John's qualifications and experience made him the leading candidate for this position. John is an Olympic bronze medal winning and two-time Pan Am gold medal winning coach. With extensive experience leading elite men's and women's 15s and 7s rugby at national level and expertise in talent identification. BC Rugby acknowledges past events and the subsequent Rugby Canada report released earlier this year. BC Rugby CEO Annabelle Keo said, I appreciate some people may be concerned with this appointment, but the interview process directly addressed the Rugby Canada report and we're confident John is the right person for this position and will bring his learnings from the past year to better our programs. 
We look forward to John joining the team and together we are fully committed to continuous learning to ensure that we do that what we do represents best practice. Uh, Tate said, I want to thank BC Rugby for this exciting opportunity and I look forward to applying my experience to help rugby be better in BC. It's no secret that it has been a difficult year and I've learned a great deal from this time. Looking forward, I aim to continue learning to support both coaches and players on and off the pitch. Uh, BC Rugby has also said in the press release that um, they strive towards the highest standards of performance and conduct and requires all employees of BT Rugby to lead by example as articled in their code of conduct at the same time. They also say BT Rugby will invest in the professional development of all staff over the next six months, completing respect in sport training as well as training that will help us create a culture that reflects our values of safety in integrity, respect, and inclusion. The respect in sport training will be completed by all staff by the end of October. Um, so we obviously are all very well aware of um, John Tate over the past year. Yep. It's with, the, with regard to the women's um, sevens. Um, at the same time, the uh, report found him not guilty, and then he uh, volunteered to step down. Yeah. Because he may consider his position untenable, See, so I can understand that. Um, I think BC Rugby addressing yeah. the elephant in the room in the press release you definitely helped. You had to. I mean, I mean, of rug of rugby institutions doing press le- press releases, it's miles above Exeter. <laughs> um, that uh, so they're acknowledged and they are acknowledging it as well. They were also. I think including this commitment to the respect in sport as well is there to um, not only improve all of the uh, coaching staff that are in place, but also to um, show that this isn't just a, oh, we've just hired him. He's so great. And we're going to brush everything under the rug. Um, His appointment's already been congratulated on social media. Yeah. There's been a lot of support on uh, social media for the, uh, for the hiring. Um, which, you know, w- which is was to, fr- quite frankly is to be expected. Um, I, I, I do, I do like the fact that you know BC Rugby did acknowledge like you know everything that's happened over the past year. It it does. I think the the most fascinating thing with this is BC Rugby makes it sound like you know they've obviously read the report in part of the hiring process for Jonte, which is something that hasn't been made public at all yet. So. You know, we can't comment on what's actually in that report, but um, obviously what's in that report did not um, dissuade them from wanting to hire John Tate, right? Who obviously, you know, has, 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 does have quite the resume um, up until, you know, the, uh, the scandal that's kind of rocked rugby Canada for this year. And, you know, because of that, the whole thing, it's like, this is a, this is probably a major news story. Um, John Tate's the uh, technical direct director for rugby BC and, you know, it looks like from some of the, the social media reaction, it's, you know, generally been positive so far. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's like BC Rugby um, has read that report and, uh, you know, se- seems to, uh, you know, looks to believe that, uh, you know, there's nothing in that report that, you know, does it make them think that this is the best decision for uh, BC Rugby as an organization as a whole? So it is a bit of a fascinating development in the whole thing. And, uh, you no, know, I still do wonder if we'll ever actually get to see what what did happen there. But, you know, I guess uh, John Tate is uh, moving on from Rugby Canada now. And, 
you know, we'll continue to uh, work in, uh, you know, that high performance rugby with uh, the BC Rugby Union. Okay, we're gonna end the pod here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you could, if you want to follow any of our previous episodes, you can find us on YouTube and Spotify at the Rouge Rugby. Um, you can also follow us on all our social media channels as well. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, again, at the Rouge Rugby. Derek, what are your uh, social media interactions? Yeah, at the Rouge Rugby um, is obviously the podcast one. I mean, I barely touched that. That's That used to be all Dan. Now it's kind of all Stu. Um, but if you, you send something to them, they'll sh- show it to me, I'm sure. Um, uh, for me personally, I'm at Berset the Jet on everything um across you know all social media platforms so pretty easy to find me there um i've been live tweeting all the uh, canada test matches and i plan on doing that again this week although this week it's going to be from a cottage so i'll be a lot comfier to live tweeting the uh, <laughs> the test match um hopefully you know i get to do a whole bunch of happy tweets about you know kainoa lloyd scoring his seventh try of the game because he's got a one up his last per- you know he's got a one up his last performance against of course you know, of course yeah exactly right and Thank it's you. like hopefully it's not followed by uh you know some uh chilean player scoring his ninth try of the game um but you know i'm, I'm looking f- so i'm looking forward to to that and uh you know also looking forward to as i kind of mentioned man it's uh you know you can watch so much rugby now in Canada, it's delightful, man. There's like 14 Premiership and uh, United Rugby Championship games on Sportsnet. The uh, you know the Rugby Championship continues to roll on on TSN. There's you know there's there's a lot that you can watch. Maybe hopefully we get a couple Coastal Cup matches to mix in there too. So um, I hope you don't watch other sports because you uh, you don't have the time to do it <laughs> anymore. It's all uh, you can cancel the Netflix description, uh, prescription, uh, prescription, subscription. I'm making it sound like medicine. I can't talk. It's the end of the episode. It's been a while. It's been a long day. I worked and then recorded this. Um, but yeah, you can cancel the Netflix subscription, the Amazon Prime one, because all you have is time to watch rugby now. So exactly, that's exactly. a it's a great thing. And you can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Hardman spelled H four R D M A N. Okay, so that is everything for tonight. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.